I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, or to grab a Bible and to open to the book of Philippians. We'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, we have the text already for you in the, in the materials we sent out as well, which you'll be able to uh, read. Uh, this is a letter that is sent from the Apostle Paul, who is writing from prison in Rome. Uh, he was arrested for preaching publicly and publicly defending the gospel. And he is writing to a church in Philippi. Um, and it is, this is a really wonderful letter. There's a few things that make it different from Paul's other letters in that there's a lot of really effective language, affective language. It's very clear from it that he cares for these people very, very much. This is a special relationship to him. But one of the big themes that is, he is writing to them about is the theme of joy, uh, particularly the theme of joy in all times, no matter what the circumstances. There were a variety of trials that the Philippian church was facing, and he is writing to encourage them in thanksgiving and joy, to encourage them to continue to grow and keeping their priorities straight, the main thing, the main thing, even uh, with the circumstances they are facing now. Um, so that, and through that, uh, that their work and their community would continue forward. So there are a few other words of introduction that uh, I'll give throughout the body of the sermon, but let's go and, and read it together right now. Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my, pr- making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want us to consider as we start in, into this a life reality of which we are all aware, but maybe we don't think about all the time. And that is just simply that relationships, individual relationships and communities as a whole, they go through different phases over time. And this is not all a bad thing. This is just the product of living within time. Um, our relationships, they develop. Uh, we have them in different circumstances. Circumstances change. We live in a changing world. And the relationships and communities themselves, they end up adapting and going through different phases as well as times change. But since the fall, there's a, there's a particular part of these changes that they can bring with them the smell of death and the sense of loss. And that changes, especially changes where there was goodness, and now there are times of hardship, this can bring all kinds of confusion to us, all kinds of anxiety, 
um, and a real palpable sense uh, of sadness and loss to what was. You know, quite literally, you know, you could be a child who your parent cared for you, and now that they have age, you are now caring for your parent. The relationship changes, and it's different. Uh, we will all eventually have to bury our parents and feel what it feels like to be alone. Uh, in a metaphorical sense, then a close friendship might be strained over time by just divergent values and priorities of life. Uh, beloved community could dissipate either by moving one by one, uh, people moving on to other things, or just lifestyle changes. You know, one time you're in college and then you grow up and you get a job and your relationship with your college friends change. The same with singles when you get married. The same when you have kids. Communities change with the changes of life. And perhaps even a mutant and rabid virus forces everyone to stay inside and stay away from each other. Not that that would ever happen. Um, Jokes are not the same when I cannot hear you laughing from the other side. Uh, but when the smell of death, they come to these relationships and we feel this sense of loss, it can be very unsettling to us. And we can ask all kinds of questions about the nature of that relationships. Was it an idealistic hope that went away? Uh, will I ever have again what I had? Um, and we might react in different ways. We could become anxious or bitter or uh, react by buying all of the toilet paper we can find in the store. But Paul knows this. Uh, his relationship to the Philippians church has changed in, the, in this new season, and that where they used to be partnering with each other in ministry, supporting Paul in his works, now he's in prison, and he can't come visit them the way they used to. Uh, the work has taken on a new character. Now there are new trials that the Philippian church is facing, um, and their leader is somewhere else, um, seemingly like his work is not going forward. So what he's doing is he is writing this in order to encourage the Philippian church um, in a few in particular ways, but in the main way that they would continue to grow, that they would continue to rejoice in the work that God has done, and that even in this season of change, that their growth would not stop. Uh, there are two points here uh, that he is, I think, leading uh, the church and us through them to consider as one to remember the past with joy and second, to embrace the present with purpose. So those are the two things we're going to look at. If you'll look at your text, uh, starting in verse 3, uh, you'll see here that Paul starts uh, this in encouraging them to remember the path with joy from his own example. He starts with himself. He's saying that I thank God and all my remembrance of you, uh, thinking back always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. So he's setting an example of remembering what was um, with an attitude of thankfulness and joy. And what was that that they're remembering? It really is the history of their relationship. Like he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So this is in a very short sentence. He is actually bringing to mind the way their relationship began and the way that it developed. And we can learn from the book of Acts um, that This was a church plant that Paul started with Silas, uh, and Timothy was picked up along the way. And it's like he's saying to them to remember these things. Like, remember when we were imprisoned, we went to Philippi and we were imprisoned, and then this earthquake happened, and all the walls of the jail fell down, and we were singing, and we didn't leave, and the jailer noticed, and he was converted, and his whole family was baptized. Like, remember that? 
And then on his third missionary journey, when he came back in, it says that when he went through this region, um, certainly visiting Philippi, that it was a time of great encouragement, uh, that there was a lot of joy um, that was experienced uh, between them. This partnership would have included receiving, sending and receiving money, supporting him along the way. So it's like Paul saying that this, what we had in the past, we remember this. And we've gone through a lot of things. We have a very special community and relationship that God has formed, um, and that that is a good thing, um, and to dwell on those and give God thanks for the work that he has done in the past. Now, why would he do this? Why would he encourage them and us to remember the past with joy? It is more than just reminiscing on the past. I think we all have that friend uh, that we you know, were close with long ago, that now when we see each other seldomly, we just reminisce about the good old days and the fun times that we had. Uh, and that was just, that's really a way of trying to keep the relationship going because that's all we have in common. But this is a very different situation from this and that the remembering is actually Paul's way of illustrating a very important principle for the present. And that is actually the bedrock of their community together, even though they're apart. If you look here in verse 6, he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that is remembering what God has done in the past in times that were seemingly visible, that in doing that, that is actually a way of coming into um, contact and remembering this principle that what God had done then, He is also doing now, even though we don't see it as clearly. And it is something that He is going to do in the future as well. And if we go on to verse 7 here, He says, He's saying that it is right for me to feel that way about you and skip to the end of the verse that both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, that is, whether I am out preaching whether there's a sense of fruitfulness in the ministry, uh, whether I'm doing the things you are supporting me to do, or whether I'm in prison, and whether it seems like all that has stopped, um, and whether you know this relationship has been hindered in a way. In both of those ways, that in remembering the goodness of the way that God has worked in the past, that in both the good times and the bad times, that God is still at work even now. That we as a community, as Christians, uh, that we are formed together, we are knitted together through our union with Christ and through this work, this spread of the gospel, His work that He's doing through us uh, throughout the world, that we might be stretched, but we cannot be torn apart and the work cannot be really stopped. And that as we are united in Christ through this work that He is doing in us, we are actually united together. We are all being pulled in the same direction by Christ, both in the good season and the bad seasons. And so what does this allow Paul to do? Uh, If we keep on going down, we see in verse 8 here, he says, God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Like in doing this, he is actually able to take take stock of what he loves, that he yearns to be with them. He yearns for their fellowship. He yearns for it to not be the way that it is right now, and he's not afraid to say that. And yet... In sitting in that, he actually channels that energy into prayer for them and concern. In his own creativity, he's writing a letter to his beloved people to encourage them in God's work uh, to keep going. That the remembering of the past, this coming into seeing this into contact with and seeing this reality of God's work in all times, 
he's able to sit with his time where he is in now and take stock of it, of what it is, and so to continue to labor in whatever way God allows. And so what about us? You know, there are some, and this is one of the things I really, this first came to my mind, thinking of the time we are in now and thinking of studying this letter, that we are physically separated in our community, just like Paul was physically separated from prison, uh, that we can't be together, uh, that we can't worship in the same way uh, we did before. But there's something about in taking stock of even that sadness, that's even remembering the work that God has done, even in this community, even in our midst. Uh, thinking of the worship times we've had in the past, thinking of the relationships that God has knit together, and that we miss it, we actually have something to miss. And that's something to be thankful for and something to take joy in. And yet at the same time, we have been put by God's sovereignty in this time, and that He is also working in this time. And the work that he began, he is, going, he is taking through this time and into the future, and it all contributes uh, to where he is going, where he is taking us. You know, it might have nothing to do with COVID. Maybe we've had some relationships with people in our lives that have changed over the last few years that have been disorienting or sad. Um, maybe even our community we're in, um, that it was good in the past and now it's not so good. Now our lives have brought it into question. And this is, again, Paul is encouraging us to take stock of those to remember with joy uh, what he has done, because the remembering actually illustrates this principle that his work then is also his work now. So if we stop there, uh, we, we might feel better about where we are, and that's a good thing. We might have a sense of rest in God's work, but we would actually be missing an important connection about what uh, something else of what we are actually led to do, how to live out of this reality. And this is the second point here of embracing the present with purpose. Not only are we remembering the past with joy, but then we are embracing the present. We see this here in the end, uh, verse 9 through. Paul says in verse 9, "...is my prayer that your love may abound more and more." So the present season, even though it's not the one we would have chosen, is actually still a time for growth. Paul calls us to lean into the season and to grow, that our love might abound more and more and more. And how do we do that? He says that no, that we grow in knowledge. And this is not just head knowledge. It certainly includes head, not head knowledge, but this is interacting with the love of God, of how He has poured Himself out. He has given Himself to us. It is about learning His character, what He is like, uh, how He interacts with us, how He interacts in the world, that we grow in knowledge uh, with what God loves and what He doesn't. And then also in discernment, like this is more the sense of being able to apply that love in the present situation, uh, that we would be able to take those principles and actually have the wisdom to know how to use them exactly where we are. So that, in verse 10, we would approve what is excellent. And this is in a very interesting and important word. This is not so that we would be able to spit out the right answer. Because in some seasons, in some situations, we don't know exactly what the right thing is to do. It's complicated. As times change, as seasons change, we have to again discern uh, the truth of what we've been given, but then how to use it. But he's saying to grow in this so that in the season you're in right now, uh, that you would grow in being able to approve in what is excellent, to delight in what is most good, uh, to be able to make decisions uh, that bring God glory in whatever season 
uh, that he has put us in. And what guidance do we have to be able to do that? And this is the, as this is the last point here, I think that we have to consider. And that's all well and good, but we're still left with something more. Um, like how do we make decisions then? You know, if we, is if there's not just one right answer, then maybe there's some pointers that Paul gives us um, that are going to help us out. And that is, on the one hand, like I say, this is a very tricky question to answer. Um, if we've just said there's not always just one right answer. But on the other hand, we actually have something better than a right answer. Uh, and this comes in verse 11 uh, that he says, uh, starting back in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and grace of grace, glory and praise of God. Once again, we have been given the person of Jesus who is with us, uh, who has given himself to us, who did not stay far away, but entered into our world with us and has united us together in grace and that we have fellowship with him. And this, you know, this means a few things for us. One is that we have a great example of who Christ was and what he has done. We have an example of love. We have an example of grace, um, of how to treat people that we can model, model ourselves out of because of how he's treated us. We have this view of self-sacrifice, um, of actually working for God's glory rather than self-glory. All these things that Jesus has brought into our life um, that are very radical and transform the way that we think and the way we enter into every situation. But there is also more than that. And that whenever we go through this, there are times when we will fall flat on our face. There are times when we just don't know what to do. When we make decisions and realize the decision just wasn't that great. The way we handled the crisis, it just wasn't that great and it wasn't that wise. We were afraid. We didn't know what to do. And, and we are left wanting. But we have here again is that all of this, this fruit of righteousness, this work um, the good fruit that he has called us to, to lean into even in the present, is that this only comes from him. And that even as we flounder, and as we are in need, and we recognize our own desperateness on our own to be able to navigate the changes that we face, we can come back to him again and again and again. To be received by him, to be clothed in his grace, to be clothed in love, to be clothed in righteousness, to be accepted and shown love. And it is only through Christ that we're able to do this. And there is something about being brought to the end of ourselves where we realize that we have nothing but Jesus to be able to do it on our own. And we are able to go with him and receive the grace that he has for each one of us, that that in itself radically transforms us. That gives us a hope and a clarity and a character and a sense of love uh, that comes out where we long to share that love and that kind of grace with others. In summary of all this, as we are just beginning this, this journey through Philippians, the thing that I want us to take out of this is that Jesus was at work yesterday. The good times we have are really good and they are worth sitting in their worth missing. But he is also at work today. And he will be at work tomorrow. He is forming us and he is forming a community as the way he has in the past through the present and in the future so that he can present us 
pure and blameless in the end before the throne of grace. It is only he that is able to do that. So what we are encouraged to do here in this season is to embrace where we are, but not embrace where we are alone, but embrace where we are as being covered and accepted and held by Jesus so that we can, in through abiding with him, we would be able to turn outward and to face our situation for what it is with all creativity and wisdom and guidance with what he has given us so that whatever, however we conduct ourselves, even in this time, that it'll result in the glory of Christ uh, that he is truly due. Uh, I'm going to stop there and I'll pray for us. Dear Father, thank you for your good word. Thank you for the hope of Jesus that you have given us. I pray for myself and for this community that you would truly knit us together even in this time around your work, around the good news of the gospel and the grace that you have poured out for us, that we would rest and we would have thankfulness and joy. But in that, that you would equip us to love each other, that our love would abound, our discernment, our creativity would abound so that you would be glorified even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.